This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome board-certified internal medicine physician, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, to the show. Dr. Sandra is an international speaker and well-being thought leader featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, Women's Day, and Psychology Today. She is the author of several books, including Sacred Rest, where she outlines the seven types of rest we're going to be discussing today. As moms, we all know how important rest is. Many of us feel overwhelmed, exhausted, fatigued, and we're often told that self-care is the answer. But self-care can feel like just another thing on our to-do list. We search for rest on vacation, but vacationing with children feels anything but relaxing. We daydream of nights in a quiet hotel room by ourselves, but may not have the support or finances to make it happen. Or when we feel really run down, we may even daydream about running away or just leaving to get a break. Why is it that self-care often doesn't feel restful? Why do we feel so desperate for a vacation? What if it's not vacations, escapes, or pampering self-care we're lacking? When I came across Dr. Sandra's work on the seven types of rest, I instantly connected with it. It explained why I still felt so exhausted even after a week off or some time alone that took so much invisible labor to carve out. It helped me understand that if I do something and still feel depleted, that I didn't engage the type of rejuvenation that my mind and body actually needed. In this episode, Dr. Sandra and I unpack her concept of the seven types of rest. We discuss the difference between sleep and rest and the difference between self-care and pampering. We also uncover what rest really means, why moms never seem to have enough of it, and what busy moms like each of us can do to implement real rest into our already busy schedule without adding more to our plate. This is a really helpful and practical conversation, but before jumping in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Dr. TND, and it says, I love how Erica creates a community of understanding and vulnerability in each episode where each topic is handled with care. As a licensed child psychologist that works with children and their families, this is a podcast I would gladly recommend to moms. Thank you so much for leaving this review. I really appreciate your recommendation. I work so hard to make sure that this podcast is focused on handling topics with care and giving moms a safe place to be vulnerable and to understand that they're not alone. So thank you for seeing the thoughtfulness and the care that goes into curating each episode. For those of you listening, I want you to know that your feedback is so valuable. I'm grateful when you choose to share your thoughts, feelings, and wishes for future episodes. Now let's hear my conversation with Dr. Sandra. When was the last time you truly felt like yourself? If you're not sure about the answer, it's time to think about your mental health. As moms, we often put ourselves on the back burner. From the moment our babies are born, our days and nights are full of responsibility, leaving it hard to sleep well, eat properly, exercise, or take care of ourselves. The more we neglect our own needs, the worse our mental health can become, leading to depression, anxiety, or other mental health struggles. But your mental health matters. We know you're busy, so we make it as simple as possible to connect with a therapist. Our qualified maternal mental health specialists are here to support moms across Canada and the United States. It's time to put yourself back on the priority list. Find out if we serve your area and book a free 15-minute virtual consultation at momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. 
Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Dr. Sandra, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I am really interested in the work that you do. I've seen your talks. I've seen a lot of your work. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's really an interesting story how I came across your seven types of rest. I want to say it was probably a year ago this summer, and I usually do like a meetingless August in the business where I try to like create some distance and just slow things down a little bit so that I can rest and recover because I'm in a creatively demanding business and all of these things. And I got through August and I felt 0% rested, even though I had taken so much off of my calendar. And when I went looking, I was like, wait a minute, because it's not this type of rest or that type of rest. And I just found it to be such an interesting perspective. So I'm curious before we dive into the types, how did this book come about for you? How did you form or think or envision these types of rest based on the type of work you do and things? Well, my background's in internal medicine, so I'm constantly seeing people who are coming in saying that they're exhausted and they think it's their thyroid or their adrenals or any number of things. And, you know, when you Mm. check all of these tests and everything's normal, it gets you thinking, is it all in their head or is there something else going on? And then I experienced it for myself right after my kids were born. I had two kids that were born with 21 months of each other. And so Mm. a lot of little ones, all of a sudden, my husband often says we went from zero to two, like in seconds, it felt like. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. it was one of the situations where I didn't have any type of mindset around what it looked like to really rest. As a physician, I've always thought rest and sleep were the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I put my intention at when I was feeling exhausted and drained. And I got to a place where I was, you know, forcing myself to get those eight hours despite having little ones at home because I'm thinking I have to be able to function. And I was still exhausted. And it's a desperate situation when you think that's the cure. Mm -hmm. Nothing's physically wrong with you. You go to bed, you sleep as many hours as you can and you wake up still exhausted. Mm -hmm. And that's when it started to really dawn on me. There has to be something else. There has to be something else that's depleted that's making me feel this way. Hmm. And so that kind of opened up a lot of different conversations, in part spiritual conversations, in part scientific conversations. I was talking to anybody and everybody who had any opinion about rest and restoration and burnout recovery, and really just started putting the pieces together from that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really common experience for moms and those who are listening where we go from maybe having our core types of ways that we rest or rejuvenate, or maybe we were pushed beyond the brink even before motherhood and just scraping by in terms of energy and fatigue levels and satisfaction and all of that. And then we enter motherhood. And similar to you, I had three boys in the span of three and a half years. I was either pregnant or had a baby for like five or six years of like span of time. And it was the most exhausting marathon that one can go through. And then often we hear an antidote being offered like self-care. You just need to like, you know, indulge in some self-care. And now that it's been adopted, and we did an episode on this with Dr. Pooja Lakshman, who talks about how this is sort of being like commercialized and turned into this thing that it wasn't meant to be. But it just starts to feel like another thing on the to-do list for moms Where, for example, I tried that summer to carve out some space for self, some space for what it was I thought I needed, and felt the same still. And I think that that's really confusing for people because it is such a task to create the time to begin with that when we do it and it doesn't hit like it should or like we hoped it would, then we kind of give up and we don't create that time for ourselves again. And it becomes kind of a bit of a cycle. I don't know if you've seen that where it's like, oh, well, I tried and it didn't work. I don't know. It's tricky for moms, especially when we're so crunched for time. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that feeling that rest doesn't work. Mm. And so, you know, if you have the feeling that rest doesn't work, what ends up happening is you don't create time or space for it because you feel like it's pointless. I think the thing that most of the time people have to realize is that 
if rest is not working to improve your exhaustion, it typically means you got the wrong type of rest. Hmm. You may have done a restorative activity or self-care type activity, but did you do it in the area where you actually have a deficit? That's really where those seven types of rest came from. Mm -hmm. I was noticing that there are certain areas of my life where I was excelling at getting rest, like physical, because I was Hmm. overly aware of how the physical body rests. But I wasn't very aware that my emotions needed rest or even what that looked like or Mm -hmm. relationally, social rest. How do I get rest in those areas or how do I rest creatively? These were places that I hadn't even considered getting rest in. And they were some of the places that were getting the most depleted. Mm -hmm. And so despite carving out me time, you know, to get a massage or to go hang out at the beach or something like that, Mm -hmm. sometimes they weren't hitting the place where I actually needed rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And maybe we can carve out what rest is compared to sleep and compared to maybe even self-care if there is sort of a distinction to make there. Because I do think rest and I think physical rest, I think I need to prioritize my sleep, which we talk about a lot here in the postpartum period is a fundamental cornerstone of our mental health. And it is important to make a plan for maternal sleep. However, if you're doing that and you're still not feeling rested or things aren't improving, then there might be other things going on. And so how do we distinguish them? How would you define them? Well, the thing that I would say with that as well is rest is a bridge to better sleep. Mm. Most of the time we can't get high quality sleep because our body, our mind, our spirit, all the different aspects of ourselves are too wound up to actually get into deeper levels of non-REM sleep, to actually have sleep feel restorative. You have to get past level one and two, which is where most moms hang out because they're trying to listen for you know, the monitors going off Mm, to actually mm -hmm. get to level three, where it takes a minute of the baby crying, you know, before you wake up. So I think that's something to kind of be aware of. Rest and sleep, they engage with each other. Both are important. But sleep is a type of rest. It's a type of physical rest. It's a passive type of physical rest. And during those times, you know, you don't necessarily have any control over the activities that are going on. The thing that we have to then separate out is what are the restorative activities that we do? Because even within physical rest, which, as I mentioned, sleep is a type of physical rest. It's passive. Hmm. Then there's active components of physical rest. That includes everything from using a foam roller to stretching to going for a massage to doing a leisure walk, Mm -hmm. really even to the ergonomics of your workstation. Mm. So it's anything that has to do with your spinal positioning, your circulation, your lymphatics drainage, all of those aspects of your body that promote healing and restoration. Mm -hmm. And so sleep is important. But if we put all of our eggs in the sleep basket as the way we're going to stay refreshed, renewed, energized, then we have omitted all of the other types of rest that are available, including the active physical rest that we need. Mm -hmm. I can see that. And it makes me think of this situation I was postpartum mm, 10, 12 weeks maybe after my third. And oh my gosh, it was a recipe for disaster. I had bronchitis, then I got mastitis. My toddler had hand, foot, mouth and decided to give up his soother. My newborn got hand, foot, mouth. Someone had to fall down the stairs. Every week we were in Emerge dealing with something. And I got to the doctor and I'm like, oh, here we are again. Like, of course it's bronchitis. He's like, you just need to rest. And I'm like 12 weeks postpartum with three young children thinking, don't you think I want to rest? Like the one thing that I want is sleep is to rest, but like I can't, it feels inaccessible to me, right? There's like a ragey anger that comes up when talking about rest with moms because they're so pushed past their limit a lot of times. So I know that we're going to focus on making this conversation feel accessible to moms and that there are practical ways. But I just want to put that out there, that there's something there that just feels like, of course, I want rest. And I feel like I have no autonomy over my schedule and I can't carve it out for myself anymore. Yeah, that's why for myself, I oftentimes when we're talking about rest, I don't look at it as carving out time. Hmm. I look at it as how do we bring in restorative practices into your current schedule? Okay. A lot of the work I currently do now is with corporations. And so people are at their work. You know, they're not carving out time. Is how do we bring in restorative practices? So 
Let me just start by naming the seven types of rest because that'll help. So the seven include the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one thing that I find that a lot of moms struggle with is mental rest. Mm -hmm. They feel like they literally have dementia because their brain's so foggy because of all the things they're thinking, schedules and formulas and, you know, all these things, doctor's appointments and vaccines and all the different things they're trying to keep up with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you find that you're trying to go to sleep at night and you lay down and your mind's kind of overactive and you're ruminating over the same thoughts over and over again, a very simple practice is just to have a notepad or a post-it note or a back of an envelope, something at the bedside where you can jot down whatever that is. Mm. Because whenever you run it around in your mind, whenever you ruminate over that thought, your brain actually is going to hold on to that even at the expense of you sleeping. Mm -hmm. It's like studying for a test. Ruminating thoughts are like, oh, this is important. She keeps thinking about it. So let me really focus in on it. So you're going to have a hard time going to sleep if you're going to bed thinking about your to-do list for the next day. Mm -hmm. You serve yourself better by putting it down on something concrete. Doesn't have to be like even your phone. You don't have to sit there and waste time throwing it all into a calendar if that seems overwhelming. Mm. Have a post-it note, literally, where you just jot down the three or four things that are running around in your mind. And putting it on something concrete is a form of a brain dump. So it gives the brain permission to now release that thought because it's somewhere safe and protected that it no longer has to remember. Mm -hmm. And so simple things like that, how can you bring in restorative elements into the middle of your day? Hmm. You're picking up kids in and out of the car, you know, in the car seat. Car seat's what, 30 something pounds Mm -hmm. (laughs) as they get to a certain age and you're picking up kids and you're wondering why your back and your neck and your arms are hurting. Well, you've been lifting weights all day and you probably haven't done anything to stretch out the very muscles you've been lifting. Mm -hmm. How much energy does it take while you are pushing the kids on the swing as they're playing around to take a few moments just to stretch your body out while you're standing there? Mm -hmm. You got to stand there anyway and watch them. Do a little bit of stretching, do some neck twirls, you know, reach down and touch your toes. There's some small things that we can start incorporating, but it requires us to be mindful. Mm -hmm. It requires us to take a moment and say, you know what? My back hurts from lifting up that car seat. Maybe I should take a moment and touch my toes and stretch my spine back out or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that may look like. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I think the mental one is such a big 
piece. We talk a lot about the invisible load here and the mental load. And I even write a bit about mental clutter, which is sort of even outside of those tasks. But when we become mothers, we're used to before that just being responsible for ourselves, mostly maybe our role on a team. Like we do have other roles in our lives that we hold responsibility in. But there is this invisible labor and this load that comes online in such a different and sort of stops us in our tracks, kind of we hit a wall kind of way, this big invisible load that we carry, that it is endless and it is pervasive and it respects no boundaries and it will be in all the places. Like we talk about this in terms of self-care, for example. I might carve out the time to go get a pedicure or a massage, which is often what we envision when we think of self-care. And the whole time be ruminating on all the things I have to do still. So it actually doesn't feel restorative to me in any way, even though I've done the the several tasks to even carve out the time to go and do it. But I feel like it should, but this pervasive mental load element feels very hard for us to get some reprieve from. You know, you mentioned about self-care. I think we've confused self-care with pampering. Um, You know, they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. I'm all for a good pampering session. And so, you know, have your nails, have your hair, have your shopping spree. You know, those are great things just for morale. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm not convinced any of those are really self-care. You know, even a massage for most of us because it's too finite. It helps if physical rest is actually the rest you need Mm -hmm. and your physical body is wound up and tight. But if you're getting it just because, well, that's what everybody says self-care is, that's pampering. That's not really self-care. Self-care at the very core of it is how do I nurture my current need? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is how I define self-care. So my current need may be, I need a moment with women who get my life is crazy, Mm. which is a form of social rest. That may be your current need. Mm -hmm. Your current need may be, you need to be able to just be honest about feeling at the end of yourself in motherhood Mm -hmm. and be able to sit down with a therapist or a counselor and say, you know what, this is way harder than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. That might be the current need, a moment of emotional rest where you're just fully transparent and you can just put it out there about how you're feeling without guilt, shame, or fear. Mm -hmm. What is your current need that's inside of you? It's a nurturing of yourself. That's what self-care is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very good at nurturing everybody else, but we oftentimes fail at nurturing ourselves because we are not very open about what our own personal needs are. Mm-hmm. I think as moms, sometimes we act as if we don't have needs. And so we're fixing everybody else's. I think that's probably the place that a lot of us have to start with self-care is, can I identify what my needs are? Mm-hmm. And so these seven types of rest sometimes are helpful just to help people see what the need is. I don't believe you can fix a problem you won't confront or that you don't even know exists. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have a bit of self-diagnosis included with self-care so that when we do make space or time or bring in restorative activities, that we do so in a way that we see the benefit of the effort that we're putting in. Mm -hmm. I see that. It does feel almost like a little bit of a criteria to go through to sort of check where I'm at in that needs list of those types of rest, right? Like it gives us something to sort of anchor in, to look towards, to see, oh, that feels like what I'm missing right now because that language or understanding those parts of ourself isn't always accessible. And certainly in the sleep-deprived wee hours of the morning, even less so are we in that space, right? I'd love to go through them quickly, talk a little bit about what they are. And I know you've called out a couple. And then even just some practical, accessible examples for moms. You talked about physical rest. And I think that this is also, when you're talking about stretching, I remember breastfeeding and constantly being hunched over. I had so many back injuries postpartum just because of like feeding and carrying babies around. So even just stretching and movement, we talk a lot about an acronym called NESS here. So nutrition, exercise, sleep, time for self, and support. And the exercise bit is really just focused on movement because I often think that physical movement has been adopted by this very like punishing, restricting mentality for our bodies that we often associate exercise with punishment almost. So when we think physical rest, I don't think we really go to body movement naturally, or some of us might not because we've always used movement to form our bodies. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So exercise becomes, like you said, we think of gyms and trainers yelling at us and things of that nature. 
But really, you know, with the physical rest aspect of it, it's just circulation, body fluidity. Mm. How do I keep the circulation, the lymphatics, the flow in my body healthy? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a leisure walk, doing a dance class online or something, you know, where you just get some yoga, you know, whatever it is that feels good to you. You know, the thing is, oftentimes when we think about children exercising, you never think about a child exercising, doing jumping jacks or, you know, Pilates or something like that. Like a boot camp or something. Yeah. 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 You, you never think of that. When you see your children running around playing, having fun, dancing around in the house to their favorite Mickey Mouse song, they're exercising. But when we think of ourselves, all of a sudden we put these parameters on it because we have to grow it up. Why? Who said that? <laughs> Who mm-hmm. came up with these rules? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's it's fun to sometimes as a mom, particularly to just enjoy being a kid with your kid. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're swinging on the swing, swing with them. You know, if they're running around and having fun and laughing and joking, do it with them. You know, um, I think sometimes we can get some of that body fluidity just by enjoying our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like their little YouTube yoga classes that they have and we do it together and we end up rolling around and like wrestling, but it's still a nervous system reset. It's still a body reset for both of us. And I like to use things that are practical in that way because we might have kids home 24-7. Like you said, we might not be able to carve out the set-aside time for ourselves. So it's something that can be done in our routine and with our kids around. Yeah, and I think it's important for moms to recognize they have the ability to help put an end to the grind culture that most of us are living in. Hmm. You know, as a parent, you have the ability to leave a legacy of rest within your family where your kids understand the value of it. I think too often we have right now, we have this misguided conception that work is so far greater than rest that we should only work and never rest. Mm -hmm. And we've built a culture that's over 80% has some levels of burnout or exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we really want that for our children. That's why many of us are, you know, trying to get away from it ourselves. And so we have the ability to actually help our children understand how to get rest in different areas without going on a vacation, without quitting their job, without, you know, without all these things that we assume will help us feel more rested, but actually see how to emulate it in real life while they're doing things. Mm -hmm. You actually bring back something that stood out when I was reading your book in preparation for this interview was what rest is not. And like you had called out, you know, it's not necessarily a vacation or that what we were describing was like almost like a stay in a hospital being tended to versus an actual vacation where we have responsibilities and talked about things like escapism. This comes up all the time in my community in a couple of different forms. It's like, why do I daydream about leaving? I just want to go and book myself into a hotel by myself. Like, I promise I'll return, but I just want to go. If I just had like a minor injury that required like a night or two away, like that would give me the rest I need. They border on an escapism. They're not suicide ideation. Like it's not about harming ourselves to end life in any way. It's just like the distress I feel like I'm under or the weight I feel like I'm carrying feels too much. And so our brain goes to like a total shutdown place almost in our minds And if we've paired that with rest for a long time, I paired rest with like all-inclusive vacations where I do like nothing. That is so inaccessible to me day to day that I feel so trapped in parenthood when I can't access that. So are there any other things there that you want to elaborate on or other things that we think rest is that it actually really isn't? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, we think rest is mainly about cessation. It's about stopping. Hmm. And because it's about stopping and there are seasons of life when there is no space to stop. Yeah. There's always something going on. Stopping obviously is part of rest. So that is a part of it. But I often look at it like this as an internal medicine physician. If someone comes into the ER and I tell the nurse, oh, you know, suture them up, that'll stop the bleeding and send them out. I've stopped the bleeding, but then I actually send them out well. Mm. because they could have been bleeding for days. They could be severely anemic. And so stopping the bleeding is what a lot of us do when we say we're resting. We 
Netflix and chill on the weekend. And we so we Mm -hmm. stop, you know, we try to stop or we go on a vacation and we try to stop our normal work. But did we actually restore anything? Did we actually pour back into the place where there's a deficit to get things back on a healthy level? Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like we sometimes miss the boat because really for burnout prevention to work and for rest to be beneficial long term, it has to be sustainable. They have to be activities that we can do not three times a year when we can carve out a week, Mm -hmm. but we can intermix them within our regular day to day schedules and throughout our week so that we are having ongoing episodes of restoration. Mm -hmm. And so I think often, you know, the thing that we have to break away from is that cessation mindset and start looking at what are the things that actually pour back into me, not just the things that drain me that I can stop, Mm -hmm. but how do I then fill myself back up in the places that have been depleted? Mm -hmm. It's such a good distinction and not one I think I've ever really made before. Like, I don't think that I've seen it in that way. When we think rest, we do think stopping the things that are busy and hard, but we don't think about that other piece. And so day to day, we're not looking to add those things in necessarily. You know, one of the things I hear a lot from moms is that I feel like, you know, I don't have time for my friends. I don't have time to get around the people who help fill me back up. Mm. Well, you have to think about when you're a mom, especially of kids under the age of five, when they're really clingy, they're really needy, all hands on deck, so to speak, a kind of mindset with parenting, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pull on you socially. You are giving, 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 giving. Mm. And so there has to be times where you stop and you allow yourself to evaluate, is anybody pouring back into me? Mm -hmm. I find that that's the place where moms feel most depleted. Mm -hmm. It's like I am giving and I've just given it all. I need to get away from these people so (laughs) so I can get filled back up. But even in getting away, it's not going to feel like you're getting filled back up because who's pouring into you Mm -hmm. now. So I often at times have moms consider what are the ways you can connect with other people who get you and you can be life giving to each other. Mm -hmm. So a lot of mom groups do these, we call them 15 minute coffee breaks. And so some of them will have it like open for 30 minutes. So have a zoom room. They agree that, you know, most of their kids take a nap around 10 or 11 or whatever it is. From 11 to 11.30, we're going to have this Zoom room open every day. And if you need a friend, you pop it on. You can walk around with the thing in your back pocket and we'll chat while you're doing diapers. Hmm. Or if you have a moment to sit and have coffee because they actually go to sleep, we can do that. But it takes the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Everybody might show up. Two people might show up. One person, who knows? But it gives opportunities for you to have a place where you can engage with other people who get what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pack everybody up. You don't have to get them all dressed into a car. You know, you don't have to drive to the mom meetup space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's instantaneous opportunity to be able to have connection. And I saw a lot of moms get a lot of relief from just starting those small what we call Zoom meetup groups, where they have this space Mm -hmm. and they agree upon a time. And usually it's no more than 15 to 30 minutes, but they know every Thursday at 11 o'clock, I got people who are there Mm -hmm. who get it. Mm -hmm. And what I find is it's not usually just one or two that show up. Almost everybody shows up. Like I said, even if the phone is camera off in their pocket while they're talking and walking, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because people need connection and they need to know that they are not the only one going through those early years. I can really see that. And you touch on an important theme that comes up also with our community a lot is when we are so freely giving of ourselves and prioritizing everybody's needs, we often feel like we want others to sort of anticipate our needs or to meet them for us in a way that like, oh, can't someone just care for me the way I care for everybody else? And this kind of plays out in our partnerships in a few different ways where when we don't see our needs as valuable and we aren't prioritizing filling them up, we kind of like want our partner or like others in our lives to sort of know what our needs are and come in and top them up sometimes. And there is a responsibility in our relationships and our partner should be thoughtful and kind. And there is a, a back and forth here for sure. But I think that ultimately I have to realize... I have a need for, let's say, social connection and belonging and take some ownership and responsibility for getting creative in how to get that need met because we want support and we are not parenting in a village the way that we wish we were. You know, grandparents are not showing up 
the way that we wish they were and things like that. And our needs are going unmet, but also we can try and be creative. And it's not to put blame or ownership on moms. Like there's a societal element that does not support moms here that is like undeniable. It's not that. It's just like, if we're not going to advocate for our needs and put our hand up and say, hey, I got to do this for myself, who will do it? You know? So there's a radical responsibility taking there to say, hey, like, I'm going to be my own mother for a second. I'm going to look out for myself and I'm going to get this social need met, for example. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I found quite often is that spouses typically don't know what you need. You think they know. Sometimes we don't even know. So how can they know if we don't even know? Exactly. I found so many times when particularly a woman would say, my husband doesn't help out and, you know, I need him to help do this and that and the other and this and that and the other. And, you know, we sit down and we're having a conversation because they're both my patient and he'll say, but I do all these other things. And she's like, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. in his mind, he is helping out because he's doing mm-hmm. all these things oftentimes outside of the house that he's thinking are the things he's supposed to be responsible for. And she's wanting him to do things that are related to the kids and helping her specifically. Mm. And there just hasn't been any communication, you know. So one of the, you know, I talk about in the book, the gifts of rest. One of the gifts is communication. Because mm-hmm. when you sit down and you're discussing what your own rest needs are, you're discussing the places where you're feeling depleted, the other person actually gets a little bit of a glimpse of how they can help you. Mm-hmm. Because how do I know how to help you if I don't even know what the issue is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just takes me back to like these early postpartum days where I can remember being like, where's the village who said it was going to show up? Or like, where's the grandparents? Or where's the friends? Or where's the whatever? While at the same time holding very true to this perfect mothering myth of like, I had to hold all the balls in the air. So I felt unsupported, but I also wouldn't ask for help. Like I, I wouldn't identify a need and I wouldn't say, hey, grandma or hey, auntie or hey, whoever, can you come help out with this today? It's a relationship ultimately when we're including other people in our lives. But I think that sometimes there are supports showing up, but they just don't know that it's not what we need until, like you said, we tune into it. And this gives a great criteria for how to vocalize it to your support system and then ultimately say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Can you come add some hands on deck today so I can figure this out, you know? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things we found that a lot of people had trouble with is just as you mentioned, they had a hard time identifying what it is that they're needing rest in, what it is they needed support with, Mm. where they needed space created. From that, we actually end up creating a quiz at restquiz.com that actually lets people be able to see which of the seven types of rest they're deficient in. Mm -hmm. And I find that it's helpful sometimes for couples to actually do it together Mm -hmm. because one person might be needing more physical rest. And so that person truly may need sleep or, you know, stretching or something specific to physical, whereas the other person may specifically be needing more rest in emotional rest. They just need Mm -hmm. their spouse to listen to them, not fix it, not, you know, not try to come up with a solution, but just to have someone where they can share their honest feelings about parenting Mm -hmm. and, you know, and and feel like it's not being judged or, or criticized. And so I think, you know, it's helpful to be able to see what each other needs so that you have a better ability to respond. Mm-hmm. I love that. We'll link that resource and that quiz in the show notes as well, because it's a great conversation starter for you and your partner to go and do this and to discuss it together. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, It's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. 
Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirina Reem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code rage20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code rage20. Oh my gosh, we're not allowed to run out of time. We got more to get through. So we're going to be a little over here because I really am valuing this conversation so much. So we've talked about physical rest. We talked about mental rest. Is there any other little tidbits you would add for moms kind of on the job in terms of mental rest that might be practical that they can incorporate for themselves? Yeah. So one thing is, you know, with mental rest is to make sure that you are limiting the amount of kind of a strenuous multitasking that you may be doing. Hmm. Um, So I recommend time blocking for a lot of women as best you can. For example, rather than going in your inbox every hour on the hour, you know, back and forth, back and forth, to have specific blocks of time when you do certain activities. So it keeps you from having to focus and go in and out of of concentration because you're getting pulled in multiple different directions. Mm -hmm. And so any kind of activities that you can time block are very helpful to keep you from getting caught up in multitasking, which tends to lead to more mental rest deficits. Mm -hmm. And overwhelm and, you know, spiraling. I'm ADHD. And so one task can easily become 10 different tasks. So time blocking and chunking in my schedule has been like a fundamental life skill almost that I had to learn how to do and anything else that pops up during that time block that wants to pull my attention here or there. I note it down, as you said, like on the post-it note or on my little list to the side, knowing that I can get to it later. And it also helps to put some boundaries on ourselves and our time a little bit too, which is not maybe something we're used to doing or might be hard for us to do. And then ultimately gives me some space to evaluate what is truly urgent and what is not truly urgent. So I think that it allows us to have a little bit of space from it as well. Okay, and we've talked a little bit about emotional rest. So that is like communicating or validating, acknowledging our own feelings, but also communicating it to others, would you say, or what falls in that bucket in terms of skills? Yeah, so emotional rest is allowing yourself just to be authentic about what you're feeling. Mm. So it's sharing where you're at emotionally in a topic. It's avoiding people pleasing, um, getting to a place where you can just be very authentic and vulnerable. Mm, Which is hard. It does require you to have people either that you trust Mm -hmm. or somebody that you're paying, like a counselor or a therapist. Or you can do emotional rest actually without people. You can do emotional rest within a journal Mm -hmm. where you're sharing your feelings. Some people do emotional rest through creative expression. They write poetry or they paint or they, you know, they create music. They play on their guitar or whatever and they're creating And so that's not creative rest because creative rest is when you are enjoying what's already been created. Mm. But some people, creative expression is how they get emotional rest, is how they release their emotions. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple different ways of getting emotional rest. It just depends on whether you feel like you have the people in your life who can support that or if you need to find other outlets for it. Mm -hmm. I find even learning the skill of validating our own emotional experience 
the amount of moms and women I work with who, well, I, I mean, we come by it honestly, we're often hysterialized and made to feel overly sensitive and emotional. Our experience in the world often will question our, you know, experiences being too emotional or whatever and sort of invalidate our emotions. So it can be really hard as a skill to even just validate our own experience and say, oh, even if that's not exactly how it played out or however my feelings of the situation are valid and I'm going to sit with this and think it over for a moment. That in itself can be a great, I don't know, act of kindness to ourselves to just say, hey, body, I believe you. I believe that this was how you felt in that moment. And that in itself just feels so compassionate and kind and warm to ourselves. Yeah, I think that's important. I think if you can't value your own emotions, it makes it very difficult to share it with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Okay, social rest, we talked a little bit about, and I feel like when I initially hear social rest, I think like ceasing to be social, right? We talked about like when we think rest, we think ceasing. But when I went through it, it's so much not that, like it's so much more than that. So for busy moms who may or may not be on mat leave or maybe trapped in the structure of their kids' naps or whatever that looks like for them, how can they lean into some social rest? Yeah. So social rest is what we were talking about regarding having like those virtual mom groups. Yeah. It's basically having people in your life that are also pouring back into you. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, a simple way that my friends and I do it is that we have this kind of code word that we use with each other on text that when either of us has something going on that we need our cheerleader section kind of supporting us, we send that word on text and the other person knows that we're basically looking for something affirmative about ourselves. Mm. And so we do that for each other because sometimes if you're going into a meeting or you're going on to, for, for me with speaking, if I'm going on to a large stage or something where I'm like, okay, I need my confidence boosted a little bit, yeah. that you have those people in your life you can immediately connect with. But, you know, social rest can also come from the very same people that are socially pulling from you because, you know, you get fed by your kids and your spouse as well. Mm. So they need you. They're pulling from you. But you also can evaluate those relationships and see, I don't like the word balance, but get some back and forth with the social rest because you can't balance social rest with kids. They're always going to need you more than you need them. Mm -hmm. But you can also have them pour back into you. So something that we tend to do, we do it all the time whenever there's like Mother's Day or Father's Day, but we got into the habit of doing this more regularly, like during our evening meals, like once a week. Mm -hmm. Have the kids say some, tell me what you like about mom mm -hmm. or tell me what you like most about dad, mm -hmm. because it's not something they would usually say unless asked. Mm -hmm. And so you can create opportunities for social rest, even around your dinner table or whenever you're sitting around at home playing a game or whatever so that you get poured back into from the same people that are pulling from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. We do that with like favorite moments or top three moments of a weekend. And usually they're like, almost every time they're family related and there's some warm moment that we've all really enjoyed in some way. And it just feels good to know that like, despite all the craziness to get to that mini putting event or whatever we had to do, like we all really enjoy that moment in like a mutually, you know, beneficial way. Mm -hmm. I really like what you're talking about with your friend group. It sounds like the expectations are clearly set and it was discussed ahead of time in terms of this code word or this emoji or this text means this. Because I think what happens a lot of times in text messaging especially is I could be full on bawling. I could be like an emotional wreck over here and say, hey guys, I'm having a really bad day. And the tone and the degree of severity and the desperation would not come through because it could just be like any other hard day of mothering. So setting a clear expectation or a, a flag to say, oh, we're in like survival mode. This is really, we're borderline, you know, really struggling here is just such a favor to do for our friends as well so they know how to show up and meet our needs when we need them to. Otherwise, they're kind of like none the wiser sometimes. Yeah, you know, I think that's how it's been beneficial for my friend groups and myself. We all live across the country. One's in Canada, one's in California, and I'm on the East Coast. So we don't get to see each other face to face, but like a couple of times a year at the most. Mm -hmm. But every single month we meet online and have an actual 
you know, face-to-face Zoom type meeting where we meet and we chat and we keep up with each other's lives. And so that's part of our social rest circle. And then between those times, we send texts, longer texts, you know, when there's something important, we send voice messages at times. But then we all realize that there were times when it's like, I, I don't even have like the energy or the capacity to type out or to even talk out what all I'm feeling, mm. but I need you ladies. <laughs> I, I need you in that moment. And I might be in a situation where I can't tell you how stressed out I am. But if you see me send, you know, this, mm-hmm. then you know that this means I need you to say something that's going to pick me up or, you know, feel affirmative. Mm-hmm. Or if I send you this, you know that that means, and it was the same for all of us, you know, it's the little emoji that everybody can remember. Mm-hmm. If you see me mm-hmm. send this, then you know that I'm needing you to prepare to call me later on today because I'm going through something really hard right now or something, you know, Mm -hmm. so that they have some idea of, and we didn't do more than three, but those three were the three main reasons that we would normally need, that we would normally want to have the other person with us. Mm -hmm. But because they can't be with us, we can kind of grab hold of them, at least for those quick moments. It's really valuable because as you said, like you might only meet in person two to three times a year. I think that's the reality for so many moms with their mommy friends or their social circles. We were having a conversation in my stories on Instagram yesterday. Like, how often do you get together with your mommy friends? And everyone's like, it's impossible, you know? So I think that it's nice to know that we can maintain these quality, supportive, rejuvenating relationships, even in the in-between, even though the face-to-face interactions might be sparse. Like that doesn't speak to the quality of the relationships that we have, even though the in-real-life frequency is, you know, a couple times a year or something like that. Yeah, I think that's just the nature of kind of how life is nowadays, especially with people living so far apart. Mm -hmm. Planning time to get together and to be together and everybody has their own families and then trying to get all of that balanced out. Social media for all its, you know, good and bad points, mm-hmm. it does make it a lot easier to stay connected with people virtually, but it does take a little bit of extra effort to keep it from being just superficial. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, we have just a couple others, but this one is so, so big. We talk about overstimulation all the time here. Being touched out, feeling like we don't have much autonomy over our body, Feeling like our body has moved from being our own to being like a utility, especially if we're breastfeeding, you know, the noise level, the endless ninja training camp that is going on in my living room, like these types of things are overwhelming sometimes and also are things that we can't necessarily stop or control. Like we can't necessarily make kids be less noisy. Kids will be messy. They will touch you and need to be fed and these things will happen, but it can also feel very draining. So let's talk a little bit about sensory rest, especially in the context of early motherhood, because it's a whole little beast unto itself, I feel like. Yeah. So sensory rest is trying to really downgrade as much of the sensory input as possible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't make kids shut up necessarily. So what I find is with sensory rest, it's a matter of looking at what are some of the things you do have control over. Mm-hmm. Is the TV playing and nobody's really looking at it? It's just background noise. You know, sometimes we like having music playing, but if you have kids talking all day long, music playing in the background is probably not a good idea either because mm. that's just another sensory input that your brain's having to process through. Mm-hmm. And the evening times, evaluating everything from your computer screen dimness levels to the lights in your home. Are you kind of toning down some of those or dampening the light so that, you know, as you're going into evening and preparing for bedtime, that you're winding the body down by downgrading some of the sensory inputs. So I think that you can't make kids shut up. You can kind of evaluate when they are, especially if they're small, when they are asleep, It's probably not the right time to decide, oh, let me go do something that's equally as stimulating. Mm, (laughs) You know, mm -hmm. if they're asleep and you want to do other things, I get it. You know, that's a great time to do dishes or laundry or whatever it is. But don't necessarily go turn on music or extra noise while you're doing that because you're getting a little bit of a reprieve. Take it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't try to fill that space up with more noise. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like we built in quiet sort of pockets into our day because being neurodivergent, I do get pretty sensory sensitive. Like it can be overwhelming pretty quickly. And so we would have a, whether it's playtime outside or playtime inside, where it's kind of like free frog running around and being all the characters and doing all the things. But then we would follow that like 90 minute to hour chunk of time with a, a quiet time, whether that is a screen time, which I will use as a tool as a parent, or whether that is quiet, independent playtime in their rooms or whatever, like a quiet activity, just bringing some structure in a non-controlling way to the home, just getting into a rhythm really helped us because I know, okay, this is really loud right now. We're going we're to go into a quiet time here in a little bit. So that's been really helpful for me. Also, I'm a big fan of, oh, the batteries are just dead in that toy. <laughs> like limiting if there's something that's particularly triggering or a toy that is particularly loud or being sort of abused ongoing in the home, then batteries also can disappear and that can be helpful for a time. I think there are some things like that, but ultimately there is a fine line between like building the tolerance that we need to have. It's like, I can't avoid all the noise, but then also trying to build some of that like reprieve into our routines. Yeah. I think that's a great example. You know, my son used to have this this popper thing. It's like he would push it around. It's like a lawnmower, I guess. And it, it would pop, 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 pop. And it, oh, he, balls in it or yes. something? Or like, and he'd mm. love to do it inside the house. And it was like bombs going off whenever he did it in the house. Mm. And so I, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a lawnmower, but my husband and I decide we're going to tell him it's a lawnmower. <laughs> so that every, so it's like lawnmowers only work outside. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we only mm-hmm. would allow him, it kept, we kept it in the garage. And when he went outside to play, he could play that. But in the house, it would almost take me into a migraine, like the moment it starts popping. Right. And so just to kind of be aware if there's certain things that are, like you said, they're triggering you and then figure out a way to make it so that either you can control it (laughs) or put it Mm -hmm. in a space where there's more room for the volume to not be so triggering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like putting some boundaries on it to contain it, but still allow their expression of play has been helpful for me. Like we have a big playroom in the basement. This may not be accessible to everybody, but I can say that's a downstairs toy that's not allowed on the main floor that can be played with downstairs or in your room. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm going to limit them from having the, you know, toy necessarily, but although that is still an option, like, but mm, let's put that as an outside toy or a downstairs toy or something that just removes it from being in this echoey room right now, driving me crazy. Yes. Okay. I accidentally skipped spiritual rest. So we've got two. We've got spiritual rest left and creative rest. Why don't we do creative and then end on spiritual? Why not? So how about creative rest? Yeah. Creative rest is the rest we experience when we allow ourselves to appreciate beauty in whatever form it is that inspires us. So whether that's natural beauty, like pictures of the ocean or being out in nature, or if it's man-made beauty like art or theater or music or dance or any of those things. And it's not you participating in those activities. It's actually you appreciating someone else's work. Hmm. And so it, it puts no demands on your own creativity. It just allows your creativity to be stirred and inspired and ignited Mm. so that, you know, what's already been creative can kind of bring creativity out of you. Hmm. I find that as somebody who runs a creative business and creates content all the time for social and courses and things, I have to build in that downtime because I become so depleted that it becomes like pulling teeth to create sometimes. So I need the time and space away to get the creativity flowing again. And usually that's even just like listening to audiobooks or listening to other ideas and things that people have put out into the world themselves and, you know, chatting with my husband and reflecting on a topic. It often comes in knowledge, like leaning into other knowledge, but it's like frames of thought and just things that people put out into the world that I find so fascinating that often then spurs that creativity again to be like, oh, I should focus or I can incorporate this here or there. So I really do find I need those times. And I imagine for those who are not even in a creative business in the way that I am, I imagine we also need those. Like 
even in the day-to-day mothering and parenting, the creativity and problem solving and the skills that are required to run a household and a family, I feel like in itself can also pull on all of those skills. So absolutely. I mean, if you're a mom trying to get one child to soccer and another to ballet and the, you know, they're 50 miles apart and you've got to do it in 15 minutes, you've got to challenge. You've got a problem you've got to figure Mm -hmm. out. Or even if you're trying to follow a recipe and you find you're missing one of the main ingredients and you're like, no, this is what we're having for dinner. Right. You know, so people are using creative energy all the time trying to solve issues. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of us get depleted in this area because we don't feel like we're creative because we're not Mm. creating in the sense of how most people think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. And then last one, and I know that we're so over time, but I've appreciated this so much. So spiritual rest. And I'm curious what this looks like for those who may not even think of themselves as spiritual or have necessary like a faith that they're tied to or... Yeah. So spiritual rest for everybody boils down to the need we all have to feel as if we belong, as if our life has meaning and purpose. You know, I title the Mm. book Sacred Rest for a reason because Mm -hmm. I feel like A big part of that is that we have to take back the importance of rest, the sacredness of it, seeing value within it. And so whether somebody gets that spiritual rest in a faith-based community, or if they're getting it in their causes that they're involved in or organizations where they feel like gives them meaning and aligns with their purposes, every single one of us has that need that we Mm. are giving back to the greater good, that we are part of something bigger than ourselves that we can see that we belong in some way or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this comes out in motherhood a lot in the, the seeing the generations that we're like raising. I hear a lot of talk about like raising this next generation of, let's say, men who is going to share in domestic labor. And like we're doing a work in the world raising these little children. So that can be in our mothering. But it can also be outside of our mothering and it can also be something different than that in a different role or a different part of our identity. But that can feel, at least for me, that part felt far from me when I was in the day-to-day sort of mundane tasks of motherhood. And I think it's such an important part to reclaim for ourselves and spend time finding it, whatever that looks like for you, so that it helps us reconnect with our identity. There's a part of having to like find ourselves again, what we're interested in, the things that we're passionate about, our talents, our strengths, all of those things in order to embody that. So very valuable. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find more from you, learn more from you, get your book, Sacred Rest? Yeah, so um, the book, as you mentioned, is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And it's available wherever books are sold. My main website is ichoosemybestlife.com. And we'll link all of that in the show notes so people can easily find you. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been wonderful. Dr. Sandra gave me a deeper understanding of rest. When we think of needs, we often think of physical needs like food, shelter, water. But we overlook the very real emotional and mental needs that we have. As moms, we take care of everyone around us, giving and pouring into everyone else's cup. And so many of us forget to stop and think about what we are lacking, what we need, or how to restore ourselves. We need to let go of the idea that self-sacrifice and martyrdom are what make us a good mom, that taking care of ourselves is selfish. Taking care of ourselves not only allows us to feel fulfilled, rested, and whole, but it also allows us to show up better for our children and to set an example for them that they don't have to sacrifice themselves and their needs for others. I love that Dr. Sandra's seven types of rest give us some criteria or a way to identify our own needs. Sometimes having the language or understanding to express what we need can be the hardest part. It's given me a way to do a quick inventory so that I can integrate small forms of rest into my day-to-day time without having to carve out big chunks of time, which is just unrealistic. I also really loved learning that rest isn't just about ceasing or stopping, because as many of you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, very rarely do we get to stop, especially in the early days of motherhood. I'm curious to know your biggest takeaway. If you connected with the episode, I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM to let me know your thoughts, 
And if you know a mom who is in the trenches and just never seems to feel rested, send this episode their way. We need to challenge the cultural stereotypes around rest and self-care so that we can actually truly meet our needs. And if you're struggling with giving yourself the permission to prioritize rest or put your needs on equal playing field with your family, I encourage you to take some time to explore why that is, because you matter and you deserve to be well. Working with a mom therapist can help you to let go of people pleasing or putting others first. It can also help to reframe the idea that we must deplete ourselves in order to be good moms. Book a free 15-minute consultation with one of our virtual mom therapists. They can help support you through this and many other topics and challenges in motherhood. Head to momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Aaron Steinberg, co-founder of Baby Proofing Your Relationship, to discuss the impacts that the invisible load can have on our connection. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.